episode was previously recorded and has been edited for the new Indie Business Podcast. Welcome to the Indie Business Podcast, dedicated to helping you break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love. And now, here's your host, Donna Maria. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Lifestyle CEO Show. I'm your host, Donna Maria, the original Lifestyle CEO, and we are here at the one place where you can be empowered to break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love. Today is Monday. We had a really long weekend here in Washington, D.C., but the weather has been fabulous, and I'm excited to say I'm really energized this morning. I got a chance to spend some time doing one of my favorite things this morning. I was getting ready for the show. I read some newspapers, and you guys know how I love to do that because I'm always looking for inspirational stories about people who are doing things off the beaten path. i got to tell you guys, there is something to following your passion and creating the life you love. Post this morning and USA Today, and there are no less than five separate situations where people left sort of status quo or maybe a job that they hated and starting to, started to pursue their dreams. Hey, I'm in the life story about a ventriloquist and an auto harpist. I'm not sure. Anyway, there's a quote there that says, "Never underestimate the power of a to inspire a dream." And I know many of you out there can relate to that. There's another story in the USA Today about a suburban mom, a 44-year-old woman, who saw sort of a, a dearth in the marketplace of paint colors that she liked. And so she created a line of paint colors inspired by tropical themes. And today she's generating $10 million in annual revenue selling paint. How cool is that? Then there's this other story in the Washington Post, which is more local. Um, it's obviously a, a nationwide newspaper, but there's a local story on the front page about a woman and her husband who, in 1972, opened a daycare service in suburban Washington, D.C., in, in a place around Dale City, Virginia, for those of you who might be local. In 1972, they opened this daycare service really for one reason. Well, two, they needed money and they wanted to be home with their, their child who was a toddler at the time. And so they opened this daycare service, and of course, you know, as many suburban areas have done, there's lots of, of growth. And today, they gross $50 million in annual revenue and employ 1,300 people from the community in their chain of daycare centers. So I just, you know, I always like to start off the show by, by sharing um, stories that can let everybody know uh, that nothing is impossible. And i got to tell you, we have got a guest today who knows that firsthand. And this is a man who, who has had a dream and a passion all his life for certain things. And as his life evolved, he found opportunities and he seized upon just one or two of them. And today he is just, just bouncing off the walls with energy and activity and promise. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. His name is Warren Brown. He is the host of the popular television show on the Food Network called The Sugar Rush, which is a great place to go and learn about sugar rushes, um, if, 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 you know, without getting any of the, the caloric problems associated with them. And he also, I think he's writing a new book, and he's also got 
two stores, three stores actually in the D.C. area. Um, Cake Love is his is his uh, sort of his flagship uh, in Washington D.C. A newly opened one in Silver Spring, and a Love Cafe also in Washington D.C. And we're going to hear from him about his 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 rise from where he was to where he is today, and he's going to inspire and encourage us. Warren Brown of the Food Network's Sugar Rush and Cake Love, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Donna. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, the Good. weather here is fabulous. It's going yeah. to be 85 degrees or something like that today. Global warming. Yeah, so I'm hoping that, that that means that a lot of folks are going to be out there on that patio at Cake Love <laughs> yeah. enjoying the afternoon. Warren, I'm really excited to have you today. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, of course, I spent some time at your store this weekend, too, having some goodies, and we'll talk about that later. But I spent a lot of time, too, at your website and also at the Food Network's website reading a lot about your story. And I just want to, would like to ask you if you could share sort of um, a little bit about your background and, and how you came to think that you could sell cakes and make a living at it. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me on the show, first of all. I'm oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. And I, uh, I really enjoy telling people how I started and what's going on with what I do because um, I think it's really possible for anyone to fulfill what they believe their dreams are or their destiny. And okay. um, it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I say that almost lightly because it, it feels so possible, you know, for me it, it, where I'm standing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I used to see people come in and talk to, uh, you know, the student groups I was in or community groups I was involved in. They'd always come through and say, you can be whatever you want to be. And all the kids would be like, I want to be a fireman and I want to be whatever. <laughs> well, I never right. said I want to be a baker. I know that. Is that what you said? No, I never did. Oh, okay. I never even thought about it. It's okay. strange. And I never thought about being a business owner either. Um, mm-hmm. I think the most I would have thought at the time would be I want to be a doctor because my dad was a doctor. Mm-hmm. That was just kind of an automatic uh, response, you know, without much of my own individual thought put into it. Right. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, when I say anyone can be what they want to be, I believe that, um, but it takes time to get there. Mm-hmm. And it takes uh, a lot of personal reflection, and it's not easy to know if you're really, um, if you're really there, mm-hmm. you know, even once you begin. Like, I love uh, having started being a baker, and mm-hmm. now I'm really more of a entrepreneur business owner who's trying to take the business uh, to different directions and, you know, up and beyond where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, in the future, I want to continue to grow Cake Love, but I hope that there's more in my life that's ahead of me than mm-hmm. strictly just building the Cake Love brand. Yeah, um, you know, that's so interesting because what you're describing, you're describing a whole lot of things, and one thing that stands out to me is how you you kind of take one step at a time and the doors just kind of open for you. If you never thought you'd be a baker, then you certainly never thought you'd own a store where baked goods are sold and you never maybe thought you'd be the host of a television show and then the list will continue right. beyond all that. Yeah. And it's, I, I want to read, if I could, a little bit of your story um, from your website, just a couple couple sentences here. Um, this is where you're sort of describing your passion. There's a page at your website at cakelove.com that talks about this, and it says you were at the time when you, when you were reflecting on this, you had been uh, working at a summer internship at law school, and it says um, that you eventually left the position, but you, you drew a self-portrait, and it says one of your drawings was a self-portrait, a young man with an ashen gray face, blue lips, reddened eyes, and wilting hair. 
Bleak and miserable for sure, drawing this image was clear and convincing evidence that something was terribly wrong. And then the next day, I read a statistic in USA Today a couple of weeks ago that well over 40% of Americans are not happy with their jobs. They're not happy with the jobs, whatever it is they're doing. And so that's a whole lot of people out there. And and maybe your, your story and your decision to actually take a step back and reflect on your life can help some people understand that you're not, you don't have to be stuck in some place that you don't like. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, I hope it's that little, 40%. I would suspect it's actually a little higher than that, mm-hmm. that aren't happy at their job. And, um, I mean, I'm very happy to serve as a, you know, someone who took a, a, an alternative path, completely mm-hmm. risky, and, um, you know, it works over time or with time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's there's a lot of things that went on to get me where I am. You know, I had to make a very tight plan. Um, <laughs> well, I would say a tight plan, but you know, when it comes down to it, I just knew that I wanted to start making cakes. I believed that if I did, then things would fall into place. I knew that uh, you know, when you're making, I think when you're making a plan to build a business, like. There's a certain point where you have to stop planning and just start doing. Mm, and Because okay. uh, you can sit there and try to guesstimate how much your cash flow is going to be and mm-hmm. how you're going to get your customers and whether or not your marketing plan is going to work. I mean, a business plan is really, when it comes down to it, if you've never done the business before, you're really guesstimating everything. Mm-hmm. You, know? you have to make very educated guesses. Uh, right. Which just means lots and lots of research until you start, I think, start to seeing repeat patterns and stuff. Um, right, right. I want to talk a little bit about the two. We're going to go to our first break. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions about, like, once you, as a full-time uh, career person, when you had your full-time job, what was it that sort of got you to the point where you decided to take the risk that you're describing? Because I, I know a lot of listeners to this show are at that point. They have a job. Whether they're, quote-unquote, happy with it or not, they have a passion for something else, and they feel strongly that they're being kind of led Mm -hmm. to make uh, some kind of career move out of it. We're going to talk about that a little bit when we come back, Warren. Uh, For all of you listening out there, you can call in and talk to Warren and ask him your questions yourself. Our toll-free number is 800-773-0355. This is the Lifestyle CEO Show, and we'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Donna Maria. Welcome back to the Lifestyle CEO Show. We are here with the host of the Food Network, Sugar Rush, and the owner of Cake Love and Love Cafe Bakeries and and, uh, Diners in Washington, D.C. and suburban Washington, D.C. as well. And when we left off for him, we were talking a little bit about sort of pursuing a passion in a more general sense. But I'd like to take listeners back to that point in time when you actually did have a full-time job working as an attorney. You had finished law school, so we moved on from the self-portrait internship time. You're actually working full-time and baking cakes part-time. What was that like for you? Tiring. <laughs> very, <Okay>. very <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> it, was, it was hard because I was um, basically working two jobs. Being a lawyer during the day, I'd come home by 6, 6.30. I'd uh, change and be baking and have the first batch of batter in the oven within 20 minutes. 
and I would continue to bake for no less than three hours and usually like six hours. So I have to bake and then, you know, clean up, box the cake, get it ready for delivery that's going to be the next day, and I had to be out my door if I had deliveries by 7 o'clock the next day. It was very difficult. So were you, you were working full-time, regular, like 9-ish to 5-ish hours, mm-hmm. coming home, baking cakes, and then getting up in the morning, and you were doing all this delivering yourself? Yeah. So you were responsible for ordering, making, delivering, customer contact, all that stuff? One-man operation. Totally. It okay. was very, very hard. <laughs> And so, what work. was it? Did, did there was there a point in time when you went, okay, wait a minute, let's let's you know take stock here, and I'm not getting any sleep. Did anything happen to sort of make you say, okay, this is it, it's time to leave and pursue yeah. one or the other? Yeah, I, I had to go to the emergency room for what the doctor diagnosed as exhaustion. That's what happened oh. to me. And I guess that, was that doesn't sound surprising considering what you just said. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I guess I thought that I was uh, stronger than I was, <laughs> and. Um, and I have more energy than I did. Mm. But, yeah, uh, youth, youth will make us think that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Now, when, you, when you had your full-time job, Warren, were you also, did you have to travel at all for your job? Or what would you do if there was like a late staff meeting or some urgent thing happened in the office and you had some cakes due the next day? Well, here's one thing. We had a, we had a um, staff retreat that was in uh, West Virginia. And it was like a two days, a one one night overnight or two nights overnight. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I got a call message for some cakes um, that they wanted on Friday, and I would be returning to town on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh wow, I don't want to pass this up because the person wanted like I think it was three cakes they were ordering." Mm-hmm. For me back then, that was a huge order, you know, mm-hmm. and that was something I should not pass up. It was. For someone that was on Capitol Hill, so I was extra excited about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just sounded really excited, you know, to get the product, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't know them, so it was like uh, just a referral that was out there in the world. So mm-hmm. this, to me, was something I could not pass up. Right. I called them back. I made arrangements to deliver the cake the next day. And, of course, the order they wanted was some of the most complicated cakes I had. <laughs> of course. Somehow I had to leave on Thursday drive three, basically three and a half hours back to D.C. I went to the store on the way in, came back and uh, made the cakes. But I also had to go out that night because my friend was having a bachelor party and he was getting married on that weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I missed the dinner for the bachelor party. I got to the drinks afterwards, so mm-hmm. I didn't arrive at the scene until like, I don't know, 1030 or so. And, of course, we're out late, and I uh, got home, like, around 1 or so. Mm-hmm. And this I is wake- Thursday night, Friday morning. Thursday night, Friday morning. I wake up the next day. I deliver cakes to this person. Really nice, very very friendly. Things worked out well with the cakes. But, um, you know, and then through the rest of the weekend, I went to the wedding and mm-hmm. um, tried to get some sleep but still have more cakes to make. Mm-hmm. And that, that following Tuesday is when I woke up in the middle of the night, and nothing seemed right. Mm-hmm. I um, was I was already sleeping, but I went back to bed and I just kind of felt somewhat nauseous and just so tired that I I just couldn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Called my folks. Um, I'm lying in the kitchen spread eagle on the floor because I was afraid I was going to fall over. Mm-hmm. And um, they said you got to go to the hospital. It doesn't sound good at all. They live in Ohio, and mm-hmm. I'm in Washington D.C. when this is happening. So. Mm-hmm. They weren't really able to help me, but I, I called my dad because he's a pathologist, and I thought right. he'd be able to give me some advice. Mm-hmm. 
And when I got to the hospital that my neighbor drove me to very kindly, um, the doctor said, you're not 15 anymore. Okay. <laughs> you got to slow down and get some rest uh, and not do as much as you're doing. So we, when you asked me a bit ago, like, how, you know, what was the uh, event or what happened to make me say, I've got to make a change, I've got to leave law to do cakes if I'm for real, mm-hmm. this was really the event, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, within the next month, I had to travel for work again. And I ended up going to San Diego, taking a long walk on the beach with a friend of mine who lived there, mm-hmm. and um, kind of went over the whole idea of, okay, how do I begin the, the plan for leaving practicing law? Like, mm-hmm. what are the steps I need to do? Mm-hmm. And we talked through it for a couple hours, and it uh, was very helpful for me because it gave me um, gave me an idea of what I need to do. And, you know, in terms of a memory, it's a very calming one because walking on the beach and stuff like that. Yeah, Sandy, <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like that was, uh, uh, you know, kind of like uh, your business plan at the time anyway. Yeah. You were able yeah. to hash it out there. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the plan for me is always, uh, you know, identify what you want to do, figure out how you're going to do it, then do it. Yeah. I try to keep it real simple. I love that. I love that advice. I call, um, I sort of have this thing I call a, instead of a business plan, try and create something like a business action model. I call it a BAM because it's like BAM, right. you know, you get your idea, yeah. you get some stuff in place, and you're on the scene. There you are. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very much like, um, this is what's so wonderful about what you're describing is that you, your, your vision was well-defined in terms of your life and what kind of lifestyle you wanted to have, it sounds like. And you had thought about, you know, the cakes and making that something more full-time uh, reality. And beyond that, it's like once you took that step, did stuff just start happening? Yeah, it does. And that's the thing, the beautiful part behind it all. It's like, it, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what, uh, what faith this really kind of goes to. But I, I think I believe that when you start to do something that you love to do, uh-huh. People that can support you in your mission just start coming to you. People that you may not have known before, you know, or whatever it is, they're just there. Right. And um, <clears throat> the key thing is just not being afraid and not being self-conscious um, that you would uh, limit or screen or filter the, the information that you're saying. You know, I mean, uh-huh. you just got to start talking about what you're doing. People are out there who are doing similar things or... They've got businesses and services that can help or support or buy, you know, the products and services that someone in business is trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it helps a lot to just start talking. Um, about yeah, and I guess you could do a lot more of that when you weren't spending eight or nine hours a day mm-hmm. at, at, a, at your full-time gig. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, of course, whenever you start talking to someone, opportunity comes up, you got to be able to follow up on it, you know. Yeah. And when you're busy doing other things, you just can't do it can't do that yeah and it, it's so great you what you're describing too it's like when you're doing what you love or maybe even um what, what you what you were designed to do or sort of like following a calling in life then there's really no way if you're doing that that life is not going to present the opportunities to do that for you yeah yeah i mean the the opportunities are there and that's the thing it's like i mean there's a lot of stuff happening for me now um and i and it's it's different than before, you know, because, like, the level or the intensity or something. Mm-hmm. But the frequency of things coming my way is, it has not really changed. Okay. You know? And it's the same, uh, and people are saying the same things, and I guess that's one of the things that helps me believe that I'm um, 
staying true to my brand, staying true to my mission mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. an effort to make scratch make cakes. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you know, people people are liking the product and they're seeing that I'm passionate about what we're making. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I get easily excited. So yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is too, I, I don't mean to to harp on this, but what you've done is, as you, you described it, you know, other people are doing it in sort of other genres, but you were able to put yourself out there to the extent that your vision, you could actually visualize yourself. Yeah. And when the oh, opposite, yeah. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to have a book. Yeah. You're going to have your own book, and not yeah. just any old book, but a book that talks about and infuses you and your audience in your, into your passion and what you think is one of the coolest things about life. Yeah. I mean, I really want to invite people into my world and into my head um, with this book so that they can wow. understand um, well, what's the what's the lunacy that leads to cakes from scratch, in my opinion. And it's really, it really, I say lunacy only, you know, in jest, but of course it's, uh, there's some things that I do with making cakes that other people just don't do. And I've, I've looked around a lot, whether yeah. it's through Sugar Rush or through uh, just my direct observation and building uh-huh. my business. Um, I, I've got some somewhat very traditional uh, uh-huh. methods of production and some uh, non-conventional methods of production, and sometimes oh, wow. they're blended. And well, you know, we're, I'm just really excited to, you know, just to hear you talk about the unfolding of all the promise and the future opportunities and what you'll be sharing with us as, you know, people out in the world, um, you know, wanting to figure out how to bake something nice. Um, and I want to let everybody know that the name of that book is Taking the Mystery Out of Cakes from Scratch. Right. It'll be published in 2007. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We also have a caller, but we have to take a break. We're going to get to you, Shayla. Just hold on one second. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be right back. This is the Lifestyle CEO Show. Don't touch that mouse. We're going to come right back. Hello, everyone. This is Donna Maria. Welcome back to the Lifestyle CEO Show. We are here with the host of the Food Network, Sugar Rush, and the owner of Cake Love and Love Cafe Bakeries and and, uh, diners in Washington, D.C. and suburban Washington, D.C. as well. And we've got a lot more questions to ask him. I know I do, but I'm going to go ahead and take a call. We've got Shayla in Maryland. Welcome to to the show, Shayla. What's your question or comment for Warren? Greetings, Donna. Greetings, Warren. How are you all doing today? Great. Good. Uh, Warren, well, I followed your store on U Street. I remember when it first came through, and I visited a few times. However, we don't have any vegan options in there. No. And no. I was wondering, have you ever considered using any vegan, um, offering any vegan treats at all? Uh, yes, I, I have. Um, we had some vegan things when we first opened the bakery for a short period of time. Um, mm-hmm. Just thereafter, another bakery opened up around the corner doing vegan things, and um when I looked at it, it was selling, but we had to make such small batches that it wasn't becoming uh, cost-effective for us to continue it. Okay. Um, but the other problem that I have with it is that um, we don't – back then when I was doing vegan, we were baking with uh, – using a vegetable shortening. Uh-huh. And I don't like doing that because of the, um, the taste and flavor that it will give you. Okay. And just the fact that it's got trans fats, the hydrogenated vegetable oil. Uh, right. Getting the, all the hydrogen in there so it becomes the shortening. 
I don't like that okay. because of the free radicals that come off um, when you digest it, which uh, can right. cause. Well, I share your passion for bacon. Also, I do. I actually do bake, and I do the vegan cooking. I do vegan cookies. Uh-huh. And oh, I have vegan cookies. So, Warren, tell me what exactly? No hydrogenated oils, and it does have a very similar taste because I also agree with your theory of having the homemade and classic flavors right. without all of the other things included in them. And I would love if we can get together sometimes to possibly taste what I have to offer. Well, I'd love to see, yeah, sure, to see your recipes. You say you're making just cookies? Just cookies, yes. Yeah. See, the, the problem is for cakes, we got to put in so much air. Right. You need something to absorb the air, uh, or exactly. at least to catch the ingredients that can also catch air. And that's why, whether it's butter or vegetable shortening, or, or if you're like using eggs and whipping that up to make like a sponge cake, those can be really good because they will capture the air when the sugar is pushing into it. Right. And right. Um, with the oil or just the oil-based cake, there's there's ways to do it, but I can't get the I can't get the aeration I'm looking for to make the cake have a texture that uh, that I, I feel is really important. Well, but, thank you so much for your call, Shayla. I appreciate that. And Warren, this is so great to offer a sort of a small little lesson in cake baking. Can you can you share with me and others when you're talking about vegan, mm-hmm. you you can't use you you have to use like an oil or something. And what is what is well, the problem? What's the difference with that? Sure, sure. What vegan baking is um, definitely possible, and there's a lot of good vegan uh, bakeries that I've been to and I've seen. And and I really do intend to offer a vegan alternative, but really in the it'll be in the future, and it would be under the guise of a like a bakery that's for special dietary considerations only. Okay. So, like, imagine Cake Love with a whole, I mean, I just see it as, like, something with a lot of green labeling, and mm-hmm. we make um, we make vegan foods, we make diet uh, diet special things, low fat, mm-hmm. low to no sugar, things for diabetics, stuff like that. And you, and so, um, what you're what you're describing is um, another alternative, a, a door that that you're going to actually decide to open up down the road. But is it really a texture thing? Like people come into Cake Love and they expect to see and experience a certain kind of texture. And are you saying it's difficult to get that with the ingredients that you have to use in for the vegan product? Uh, well, for the vegan products and, all, and sugar free, yeah, I've found that. Like a lot of people ask us to use. Um, some kind of sugar-free substitute, mm-hmm. and the ones that are out there, uh, they don't, they don't withstand the heat sometimes in the oven, mm-hmm. or if they can withstand heat in the oven, uh, they're really only suitable for certain types of goods that don't capture air. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, there's sucralose out there, which is under the brand name of, uh, um, oh, what is, well, I don't know, I forget. It's in the yellow packet, but uh, it's, um, it's too soft. So it won't, um, it, it's not hard like a sugar crystal, and the uh-huh. sugar crystal will penetrate butter or vegetable shortening, uh-huh. and then its wake comes to air, and that air going in gives you this um, light, fluffy mass that you're then going to pour in the flour and the uh, the milk or, I guess, like apple juice and stuff like that if you're making a vegan type of cake. Right, right. So it's, um, it's a delicate balance of making a cake batter. It's so, it's so fascinating to hear, you know, you respond to that question and her questions because wh- one of the things that's, that's becoming so clear in what you're describing, and of course every business owner has to figure this out, is that you can't be all things to all people. Right, right, right. And we, and we, I realized that earlier on, and I made a strategic decision that 
I'm not going to try to, you know, make a little bit of everything. I'm going to try to focus on just cake from scratch, using butter, using sugar. Um, a lot of customers came in as well who, um, who aren't vegan or aren't looking for a sugar-free uh, item, and they said, don't mess around. Give me, like, give me the stuff that I really want. You know, right, I'm, right. I'm in here. I'm off my diet. I decided that when I came here. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I'm not really interested in your your other products. Yeah, the the name on the on the uh, you know above the window pretty much points that out. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that's such a great lesson too for anyone who's listening to understand that people will always come to you and say, you know, I see that you have these ten fragrances or flavors, and you know, I want another one. And a lot of times what I see small businesses doing, and maybe you do as well, is they'll run out and they'll buy a canister or a gallon of that scent or that fragrance, yeah. and they'll make that one thing for that one person. Then they'll have like a gallon of the, the rest of the stuff sitting there for the rest of the year. Yeah. It's not not doing anything. And that person's not going to come back necessarily for, you know, batch number two. Yeah, that, that, that scenario can definitely happen. And um, it's important for us to have efficiencies in the business so that we can continue to be there, you know. Um, and we right. we can't make one we can't make a, a batch of cake on a four and a half quart mixer. Otherwise, um, we, we have to charge you know like twenty dollars for a cupcake. So yeah, yeah. And you know, I want a lot of the people that um, you know listen to the show are members of the Handmade Beauty Network, which by the way is the sponsor of the show at HandmadeBeauty.com, and they they manufacture beauty products like you know soaps and lotions and sugar scrubs, which, which, by the way, is another fun thing to do with all that sugar you have over there. And they manufacture these products, and a lot of times when they're, you know, when we're first starting out, you, know, you want to take every order, and everybody that comes along, no yeah. matter what they're asking for, you want to please them. But yeah. maintaining that focus is what really, in the long time, term, gets you to, to have the most opportunities that you can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. completely. So I, I would imagine maybe you, you found an opportunity, you know, with your U Street business associates to refer the people asking for uh, vegan or something that you don't sell to another place, and then maybe those businesses do the same for you? Yeah, and I do that all the time. Sticky Fingers is a bakery. It's right around the corner on uh, 18th Street. They're great, yeah. very friendly, and, and we have a good rapport, you know. Uh-huh. We do referrals, and uh, we also talk about things behind the counter, you know, behind the yeah. In big shop and how you run your business, what kind of point of sale system do you use, things like that. All right, so your networking helps you share that information. And is there like a chamber of commerce that that you belong to in the U Street area? Uh, not in the U Street area. We belong to the Silver Spring Chamber of Commerce. Okay, okay. Um, so we're okay. networking there. That's right around the corner from our new store yeah. in Silver Spring. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, Warren, because you have done – a, a fabulous thing for two separate areas of this particular community. Mm-hmm. You went into the U Street corridor, which, for those of you who may not be from the Washington D.C. area, may not know that you know 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it was well, actually five or six years ago, it was it was you know still suffering from the riots of the late 1960s, and you went in there with a handful of other businesses in a in a in a real confident way and you set up shop in there and you've done it again in, in uh, Silver, the Silver Spring area which for a long time was just like a ghost town so yeah. did you find that, did you find those places on purpose or what are the synergies that you looked for when you decided where you wanted to open your very first retail location on U Street well I think that um, it, it's, it's not just one thing uh, it's a big I think it's a long formula to for the locations um, I'm really happy with where we are. I think that 
the communities with, that we've uh, landed in are very happy to have us there and to see us. Mm-hmm. Um, a strong reception from the community, I think, is really important. So we try to try to assess that. It's difficult to do that, of course, um, before you arrive and before you get in there. But for U Street, you know, I've lived in the U Street area, and I've seen uh, change. I moved here in 95, and it was um, not in as good shape as it is now back in 95. So a lot has happened in the last 10 years, and I think you're right. Like, it, things didn't really start happening again until 98 when um, mm-hmm. property started to be uh, redeveloped. There was a real um, hiatus on property development in the city for a long time. Mm-hmm. Someone told me something like uh, some of the small number of building permits that were issued all to the 90s up until 98. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, you know, for me, I was looking for being in a location that uh, was really close to where people lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my friends that work downtown live up in the U Street area, DuPont Circle area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to be in their neighborhood. Uh, I thought my business would do best there because cake is a, it's a, it's a, ev- tends to be an evening um thing, you know, mm. it tends to be something for parties, so I knew that what people would come to us more easily if we were close to them on the weekends, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, it, what matters to me a lot, too, is participating in the community as much as you can, mm-hmm. uh, in whatever capacity you can, mm-hmm. and when I looked at U Street area, I didn't see, I don't know, I mean, I, it was a conscious effort on my part to to do as much as I could, mm-hmm. but I was a small business. I thought I really wouldn't have much of an impact at all. You know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. what was I? What did I have to go on? <laughs> what background? Uh, did I have you to- you certainly had an impact. I mean, as a native Washingtonian, uh, you know, who was surrounded by you know other native Washingtonians at that time, watching what was happening down on U Street and having heard people talk about it for so long, it would just go on and on, and we go down. I remember the small town, my father would drive my brother and I down there and we would get our sort of, you know, education about, you know, life in the 60s from my dad and we'd be yeah. like, oh my goodness, look at this. You know, I mean, there were still burned out buildings down there as, as little as 10 or 15 years ago and what, what you and others like you have done is just such such a great thing because it can be, it's repeated across the country in so many ways. You're listening to GlobalTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Lifestyle CEO Show. I'm your host, Donna Maria, and uh, despite our best efforts and our 100% fantastic engineers, we uh, somehow lost power there a little bit. But we're back now, and we're going to continue our conversation with Warren Brown, owner of Cake Love and the host of the Food Network Sugar Rush. Warren, when we when, when we got cut off, we were talking a little bit about the financial issues that face small business owners, and I, I think I saw a, a short piece on your business. Um, I think it was produced um, for, for the Food Network, maybe right before Sugar Rush started. Yeah, and I learned a little bit about um, you know a point in time when you were like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this financially. Can you share with us a little bit about that and how you managed to move through it? Um, let's see. The financials and uh, making it all come together. We, um, 
you know, financing is a is a big part of the whole game. And the bank that I work with uh, has helped me a lot. But when I opened up Love Cafe, I just underestimated how much capital I would need uh, in the beginning um, to do the build out of the location. So I kind of had a cash crunch uh, that the bakery wasn't able to sustain through the first couple of months of the cafe being open. And it wasn't so much that, I mean, it was, yes, that there was a lot of cost, but we got hit by bad timing with the onset of the um, Atkins diet. Yeah, oh, was, yeah. okay, so this was after the first bakery opened, the Cake Love, and you had just opened Love Cafe. Right, so this now we're in like the fall, deep falls, um, November, December of uh, 2003, and our sales mm-hmm. really uh, went down, and I think it's all, I think it's mostly due to the Atkins diet. It was very popular, uh, it had a lot of press, people were interested in it, um, the diet has a lot of, uh, it's got the ability to shrink off a lot of pounds really fast, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, most people that go on it, I think, end up, uh, you know, gaining it back. I know that I tried a diet where I'm eating a lot of protein and a lot of mm-hmm. uh, uh, carbs, and I think that it's great to get exercise. I think it's great to have a moderate um, diet all the time, regardless if you're eating cake love or right. not. Um, right. And you actually trace the financial decrease yeah. to that particular issue. It kind of, I think so, because... Uh-huh. Um, we had, uh, I mean, our sales dropped by like 40% in November and December. And in wow. January is always one of our lowest months of the year in terms of sales. But by uh, by February, things have bounced back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, good. Yeah. Good. But and, in the meantime, didn't you, did you have a situation where you, you were like, okay, where is the next payroll going to come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm oh, yeah. just... Oh, I'm, no, I'm, no, no. There's yeah. a, a lot of creative financing that uh, yeah. had to happen yeah. really fast. I would be interested in being on, and 
you know, that's obviously something you don't say no to. And right. it was a pleasure to be on the show, too. So I really um, look forward to it. We shipped uh, 340 crunchy feet there, including the sassy, which is one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Um, the crunchy feet are little pound cakes. Uh, I was interviewed on the show. They did a video piece um, with me in it and uh, played that. And then uh, Oprah asked me a couple questions on stage. And it was a wonderful feeling because... Um, uh, I felt validated a lot for what I had done just by mm-hmm. being a guest on her show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt mm-hmm. uh, incredibly proud of what I had accomplished and the people that I work with in terms of what we were able to do together as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt especially excited because I knew that the future would, you know, would be good with uh, what was <laughs> happening. And um, I was nice just, little little bit of encouragement there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and sales jumped and stayed up. And uh, we've been able to build off of that, and that happened three years ago. We're still, you know, building off of that. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a wonderful platform that uh, Oprah Winfrey is able to provide for people who are guests on her show. Yeah, awesome. well, she says that everybody has a story, and, it, and it, it's just um, it's just so great, you know, that, that she found yours, and that it's, it's you know, it's not, it's, in many ways, it's, you know, I know there's a lot of people who just say, well, yeah, I could never do that, I could never do that, and... Of course, you never know until you try. But if if, if you if you've got a desire and a passion, you'll never do it unless you actually step out there and give it a shot. Yeah, you have to you have to um, try because um, you know you won't. It's like you know, I used to play sports when I was a kid in basketball. One time, uh, we were playing a game and the coach called a timeout. We didn't really even know why. We weren't doing anything wrong. We didn't think at least. He called he called us over and said, "You guys aren't shooting the ball," you know. It's like you're not going to score any points if you don't even shoot at the basket. You can't just pass it around. Right. So you know you got to shoot. You got to go at bat. You got to try. Um, you might not hit it. You might not succeed. But uh, you have got to try. And it doesn't mean just get up there and blindly do anything. You know you got to make a plan. You got to assess whether or not it's got a you know a chance at working. Which mm-hmm. means just talking to people. You know people are the best uh, feedback sources for whether or not something will work. But when it comes down to it, uh, I strongly encourage people just to try because uh, something will work. And it, most likely, it, when your heart's in it and, and you have got good feedback and it's good, it's going to work. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes time for people to catch on to what it is, especially if it's innovative and just different um, right. or hard to like, you know, get to and stuff. But um, it can work. Well, and what you're describing, too, is you've got... I mean, of course, you know, there's, there's everybody's mother or father have some kind of cake recipe and everybody's got cookbooks and, and everybody's got, you know, packaged cake mixes that you can buy and there's lots of restaurants where you can go to buy whatever you want. And so w- what you're describing, too, is also creating something that's, you know, it's cake, but it's like cake with the worn brown spin on it. There's, there's uniqueness in your products that can't be found anywhere else. And that's really important, too, don't you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... It's got to be something that's a distinguishing factor to the business or service that one provides. You know, it's got to mm-hmm. be better. It's got to be uh, less expensive. You know, that's one of the ways that people say you can do a business, make it cheaper or just make it better. Make it and better, yeah. I was interested in making it better. And yeah, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because make it better and you can still, you know, generate enough the revenue that you'd like. To oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to charge accordingly. If you're in business, you're not in business, I mean, unless you're nonprofit. You're in business to make sure that you can stay in business. 
So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with making a profit on a product or service that's actually quality and good. Nothing wrong with that at all. And, uh, and people do it all over the place. So, for those entrepreneurs that are budding, that are out there, that want to be one, um, you know, some people I think feel guilty about charging for what they're doing. You can't you can't feel that. I mean, you, you can't you can't succumb to that. You know, and you don't. No one needs to. No one's asking you to do that. I'm so glad you said that, um, and that's that's probably the best piece of advice ever. Um, and I thank you for offering that. As it's one of the last things we'll be able to get to today, unfortunately, we are out of time. But I want to remind everyone that Warren Brown's show, The Sugar Rush, airs on the Food Network. In fact, there's a show this Wednesday night called Fruit Sensations at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and Warren's going to be dealing with apple cobbler, I think, in that right episode. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. So look forward to that, everyone. Visit his website at cakelove.com and head on over to the Food Network and also learn more about his shows and get some of his recipes for free there at foodnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you'll tune in in the future. Next week we've got a great story, a businesswoman who started a business just from having fitness classes in her neighborhood, and today she's successful with her Stroller Strides brand of franchise fitness classes and classes and branded merchandise, and it's real exciting. The owner of Stroller Strides will be here next week, and we've got some other great guests coming up as well. Warren, thanks for joining us. I know everybody's going to go get a taste of some of those uh, delicious treats that you have over there. Visit his website at cakelove.com. And in the meantime, you guys get out there and break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love. This is Donna Maria signing off for the week. Have a good one. The Indie Business Podcast is powered by the Indie Business Network. For more information, visit www.indiebusinessnetwork.com.